so we're going to get our Bibles today and we're going to get into the Word. And I want to start today with where I left off last week. I gave a little bit of a football huddle illustration. And I talked about, you know, running the play. If the players got into the huddle every week and they got the play and they got the plan and they left the huddle and they ran back off the field and they sat on the bench never to run the play, what good would it be, right? It would be absolutely no good. Everybody say no good. So here's my question for you. Have you run the play this week? Have you run the play? Because every week we're coming together, we're discussing the, the strategy, if you will. But if we don't execute that, if we don't do something with what we're being taught in this a series about the Holy Spirit, then the whole thing is absolutely no good. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit in our church today. And today is Pentecost Sunday. It was the day really that marked the beginning of the church as you and I know it. And I don't think that there's anybody really here today or in most churches in America today that would say that they're not open to or hungry for the Holy Spirit in their lives. But the question becomes, why? That's what I really want to talk about this morning is why? Why? It's not just so you can feel good or so you can have more of Him, uh, but there's a greater purpose to the work of the Holy Spirit here on earth and in your life. His presence in your life. So we're going to talk about some of those purposes today. And then we're going to wrap up with why it is so essential, why He, the Holy Spirit, is so essential. And the, the moving of the Holy Spirit is so essential in our lives. Scriptures talk about the Holy Spirit being given for the common good. In other words, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given for us to be a blessing to others. For the good of others. And listen, for His glory to be seen in the world. And the reason I chose to do this series right now, even though I knew we, we likely wouldn't be gathering when, when this came to my heart a few, well, a few months ago now, but it's because the, the world, I'm just going to speak for America, needs to see the American church alive. And what's the purpose of religion? It's not about religion, it's about a living Jesus living inside of you and I that is impacting our world today. The world doesn't give a rat's behind, if you'll pardon my French, about a dead religion anymore. Are you with me? And the problem is the church in America has been very dead in its response, in its reaction. We look just like the rest of the world other than the fact that we go to church more and we're religious and we try to be good people. But I want you to know a relationship with Jesus is way beyond just being a good person. I know a lot of people who are really good people, who are wonderful people, frankly, who are sometimes better than a lot of those who claim to be Christians. But they don't have Jesus in their heart. They don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them, and therefore their lives are not being transformed, and they're missing out on the purpose of His Holy Spirit. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today. And that's when I, I pose that question to you, did you actually run the play this week? It's so important that we gather together and we study God's Word, absolutely, that we be educated on Scripture, and especially in a world that we live in that doesn't even really know if there's any absolute truth anymore, and truth is relative according to how you feel or how this person feels. But I want you to know that, that, want you to know that there is absolute truth found in God's Word, and there's power found in God's Word through the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're getting into. And I don't want to just be a church that sits around studying and being educated and goes to Bible study class here and there. And, there. and those are all wonderful things. Don't get me wrong. It's absolutely important. 
that we study the Scripture, that we know what the truth of God's Word is. But if we don't put that truth to application in our everyday lives, then that's called dead religion, folks. Are you with me? Yes. It's really hard out here because you're spread out. So you, you have to every now and then just give me a thumbs up and wave. Let me know. Thank you back there. I see that hand, Josh. It's equally important that the world see the principles of Scripture being lived out in our everyday practical lives. But listen, here's the reality. That's impossible. It's impossible to do without Him. And here's where religion gets dead or has gotten dead, I believe, for a lot of people. They've read the Word of God and they said, okay, that's nice. Well, I can't do that, so I'll just put that on the shelf. That's why Bibles are on shelves across the country uh, by the dozens in many homes and not read because people read them and say, oh, that's awesome and I agree with that truth, but they don't know how to put it to application in their lives because they try and have discovered that it is impossible to do. Has anybody else ever discovered that? It's hard. It's impossible to live the Christian life without His power working through you. And so that's really what we want to look into. When Jesus left the earth to go back to the Father, He left us, His followers, those of you who would say, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a Christian, He left us with an impossible task. This is what He said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You can look at your Bibles if you have them. He says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and in Waterville, Winslow, Sydney, Oakland, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. Okay, that's great. Now how? And I was reading this week, this is jumping off track a little bit, but this is for those of you today that this series is nothing more than a reminder. Some of you are learning about the Holy Spirit for the first time, and I'm, I'm thrilled with that. That's awesome. It excites me because it means you're new, newer to the, to the kingdom of God. But some of you just need a reminder, and I was reading in Revelations chapter 2 this week in the church in Ephesus that they were being, uh, they were being cr uh, corrected because they had lost their first love. Do you remember? The church in Ephesus? And if, if you look back, I think there's a time when a lot of us who have been walking this walk for a long time can look back to a time when we were more passionate about Jesus than we are today. We are more passionate about telling other people about Jesus than we are today. We've grown stale and complacent and apathetic in many areas of our lives, many. And just like the church in Ephesus, we've lost our compassion for Christ and for doing the things that He's called us to do. And some of us, because we've tried on our own power and we've come up short. Some of us have gotten caught up in Bible study, and, and that's great. I love to, to sit around and study God's Word. But what about going and making disciples? That's what He called us to do. Go and make disciples. The, the, the Scripture, I say it all the time from this pulpit, not necessarily from the back of the truck, but from our pulpit, that it's summed up in, in eight simple words. The great, the great commandment, love God, love others. The great commission, go and make disciples. The Great Commission is not just sit around and study your Bible all day and do nothing about it. Sorry, it's awful quiet out here. Thank you. It's great to study your Bible. It's great to study your Word, church. You have to study it. But what about putting it to practice? We put it to practice only through His power working in us. We need to balance knowledge with experience. Too much head knowledge without the experience 
and the reality of, of the Holy Spirit is to help you live out your practical everyday life. And His Holy Spirit being released through you. So I want to I go on in that scripture in Acts chapter uh, 1. The, the first part of that scripture in Acts chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 before we get to verse 8, it says this. Now this but before, before Jesus sent His disciples to accomplish this impossible task, He said something else. Look in Acts chapter 1 verse 4. He ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to what? Wait for the... Pro How many of you are not good at waiting? I'll go five miles out of my way to avoid the traffic lights in Waterville so I don't have to wait for a stinking red light. That's because I don't like to wait. You know, I'll go this way, that way, I'll go through this way. That's just, uh, most of us don't like waiting, right? Well, listen, Jesus said, wait. And here's the problem, most of us don't like to wait. But he said, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me from John the Baptist. See, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized... Not you may be, not you could be, not maybe possibly, but he says you will be baptized, look at your Bible, with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But it comes with the preface, wait. And as Jesus sent them out, he was clear. He was very clear that they would need the power of the Holy Spirit. The first part of that verse says, but you will receive power. You will receive what? Power. Power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Listen, don't forget, God gave you and He gave me the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, well, I'm just going to say it realistically, most of the time, most all the time, we feel it's very difficult to live the Christian life. How do we really live lives that are radically different from the rest of the world? And in many cases, church, again, the church in America, I'm not just talking to center point, but in many cases we have not lived lives that are radically different from the rest of the world. The statistics say we're virtually the same. Why is that? And that's what an unbelieving world just simply finds unbelievable. That's why an unbelieving world is not drawn to the church. Because they don't see much different in the church other than we don't get to play golf on Sunday morning because we're at church. I want you to remember, how do you live a life that's radically different from the rest of the world? How do you have a marriage that's radically different from the rest of the world? How do you raise a family that's radically different from the rest of the world? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to do on your own. God's Spirit works in us and through us in various ways to glorify Himself. So today I want to look at some of those scriptures. And I want you, as we're looking at these five little principles from the Word of God, I want you to consider your everyday life. You see, God is concerned with your everyday life. He's not just concerned with the big, big issues in your life. He cares about everyday practical stuff. Like how you resolve conflict in your marriage. We, my wife and I have no conflict, by the way. We've been married 26 years. And, quite down, honey. And we ha have never had any conflict, right? We just recently remodeled our kitchen. And we're still together. I just want you to know that. Um, barely, but we are. Uh, 
No, but truthfully, the Holy Spirit helps you resolve conflict in your marriage, in relationships with other people, in your workplace, wherever it might be. So there's, there's about five things I want. Well, there are five that I'm going to give you today. And these are the primary ways that the Holy Spirit works in us and through us. And, and here's the question that we're going to answer you know, today. So what? Or why? Why do we have the Holy Spirit? Why do we absolutely need the Holy Spirit? Why is He essential? The first one is, is found in Acts 1.8. Power to be His witness. Have you ever felt like, man, you lack the ability or the words or the actions to tell someone else about Jesus? Maybe you felt like, man, I'd like to tell them about Jesus, but my life is in the, the pits right now. I'm not really living a good life. Well, you're lacking the Holy Spirit then. From the Holy Spirit we receive power to be God's witness to the ends of the earth. It's the Spirit who draws people to the gospel. It's not you and it's not me. People don't look at Craig and say, oh man, he's just so amazing. I want to know more about Jesus without him inside of me. Without the Holy Spirit inside of me. But with the Holy Spirit, people are drawn to want to know Jesus. Because you are the only Jesus they'll ever see. It's not on a crucifix hanging in a cross in their grandmother's bedroom. It's Him living through your life. Do you understand me? Is, it, is that making sense to you? You're the Jesus. We are like Jesus with skin on to the world around us. It's the Spirit who draws people. It's the Spirit who equips us with the strength that we need to accomplish God's purposes here on the earth. You're not here just to get what you want to get. And to accomplish your purposes. You're here and I'm here to accomplish God's purposes. The Holy Spirit not only draws people to God, but He also draws people who already know God closer to Jesus. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. If you want to look at verse 16 through 20, it says that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with the power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, remember that we talked about there earlier, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. There's that word again, strength. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of of God. Not religion. Relationship. Holy Spirit living inside of you. Why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? To have power to be His witness. And you know what? You can be a witness for Jesus without ever opening your mouth. It's by how you live your lives. It's in your actions. It's in your behavior. You can't have an experience, an encounter with the Holy Spirit living inside of you and not be a different person. Why do we need the Holy Spirit to be continually filling us? Not just a one-time deal, but a, a constantly, Holy Spirit, I need you living in me today. I need you working through me today. Power to be set free from the rule of sin in our lives. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 2. See, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the Bible teaches us that we put to death the misdeeds of the body. The Spirit sets us free from sin that you cannot get rid of on your own. You can't deal with it on your own. You can't make it go away on your own. It's the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand it's a lifelong process that we enter into. It's a partnership. Would you say partnership? When you enter into a partnership with Jesus and with the person of the Holy Spirit, 
it's it's an ongoing work. It, you know, oftentimes we want to have it all done quickly and overnight, right? It don't work that way, right? It's a partnership with the Spirit when we first believed and we accept Him into our hearts. Romans 8.2 For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Listen, through the Spirit, we, re we have received adoption as children. We have been grafted in, which leads us to intimacy with the Father. Instead of relationship based on fear or slavery, the Spirit bears witness or it confirms to us that we're God's children. And listen, if you're a parent, you know that you want to give your best to your kids, right? Every parent does. You love your kids. You want them to have better than you. I want you to understand that your Abba Father wants the same for you. Romans chapter 8, another great scripture you can write down or look up on your phone right now. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Listen, the Holy Spirit will convict people of sin. He does this both even before we initially enter into a right relationship with God and as we journey through life as believers. It's a journey. And the journey that we're on is God working through us. John chapter 16 verse 7 through 11 says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. Him is the Holy Spirit, the helper. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. It's to our advantage. He went away. He left us the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. You see, the Holy Spirit brings freedom. True freedom. Where the Spirit is, the Bible says there is freedom, not bondage over or slavery. In our world that's plagued with death, and, and death, when I say death, what I mean is hopelessness. And we live in a world, and you look around, you see people. You see people with broken relationships, broken marriage, drug addiction, addicted children, broken people. Bro you see it all around you. In a world that's plagued with hopelessness, this is a profound truth that we need to understand. This truth points us to the real hope. And the real hope is the person of the Holy Spirit abiding inside of us. Romans chapter 8 verse 10 says this, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin... The Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give your life, your mortal bodies, through the Spirit who dwells in you. And I've shared that same scripture over the past several weeks. 
another reason that we need the Holy Spirit is power to overflow with hope. In our world right now, our world needs hope, right? Through the power of His Holy Spirit, we're filled with hope because our God is a God of hope, church. He is a God of hope. He fills us with joy and with peace in the midst of adversity, in the midst of difficulty. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, we see these words power. We see these words strength. That you may be filled with power of the Holy Spirit. That you may abound in hope. Not just, oh yeah, I hope we get through this situation. It's really bad. No way. It's, I know we're going to get through this situation. I have the hope of Christ in me. And I don't have to fear anything for my anchor is in Jesus Christ. And I have a hope that's beyond words. It's a hope that you can't explain. It's a peace that's deeper than you can explain to somebody. It's the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Listen, I'm not trying to be your cheerleader this morning. Just get you pumped up. But I want you to understand that's real hope. Have you experienced that? Are you living that? Maybe you say, well, no, I'm not. Well, listen, I've got good news for you. You can. You can. Through the Holy Spirit. That hope will abound. Number four, why do we need the Holy Spirit? Power to help in our weaknesses. Have any of you ever felt like weak, like you just can't do this, right? Don't raise your hand. I will. Power to help in our weaknesses. Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. I know that there are those out there that say, oh, the Christian, yeah, Christians, that's just, you need to be a Christian if you're a weak person. You know what? I'll boast in my weaknesses because I know that Christ's strength is made perfect in my weaknesses. And I'll be the first one to acknowledge I can't do it. I can't be the man I need to be. I can't be the husband I want to be to my wife. I can't be the father I want to be to my children. I can't be the kind of pastor that I need to be to you. I cannot do it on my own strength and on my own power. And I'll stand before you today and just acknowledge that's the truth. I'm just man enough to say it. Some of you are not. But I'll boast in my weaknesses knowing that the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit of Christ who is in me enables me, it empowers me, it quickens me. It quickens my mortal body so that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can live free of addiction. I can be the man that I'm called to be. The husband, the father, the pastor, and so can you. That's not an arrogant, haughty statement. It's a statement of acknowledgement that through His strength and through His power in me, in my weaknesses, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, Romans 8.26, we do not know what we ought to pray. There's been times I don't know how to pray, what to pray. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through our wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And number five, why do we need to continually develop our intimacy with the person of the Holy Spirit. I had a friend that said intimacy, the word intimacy, into me see. Jesus see into me, right? So into me is about you being an open book with Jesus and acknowledging you need him, acknowledging that you're hungry for him, acknowledging that you desire more of him and less of you. So Lord, we need your strength in us. So why do we need that continual developing of our relationship with the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not just a one-time deal. Hey, I accepted Christ in my heart and I just pushed the, the pause button and now I, I gave Jesus my heart and that's all there is to it. It's so much more than that. It's developing in an ongoing 
relationship, an intimate relationship with Jesus. If my wife and I, just after our first year of marriage, said, okay, cool, we're married now, good to go, see you, you know, around, and, and not develop any type of intimacy, we would not still be together today, right? And we continue to grow. We continue to grow in our in our knowledge and our understanding of each other through the years. Just like you develop and grow in your relationship with Jesus over the journey. It's not a, it's not a one and done deal. But here's the last thing I want to share with you. The last point this morning is we need that for the power to use our spiritual gifts. As members of God's kingdom, every single person here today, every single person who have accepted Christ as their Savior, is given a manifestation, the Bible says so, of the Spirit in our lives for the purpose of the common good. Say the words common good. Common good. Now look around you. You see all the people sitting out here and over here and on the trucks and in the sunroof? Hi, Michaela. That's your favorite seat over there. That's the common good. It's all of us. The gifts of the Spirit are given for the common good or the good of others. Every one of you here today understand you have something to offer because of what the Spirit gives to you and to me. You have something to offer to others. Why do I say that? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. To each, to each is given, not to some, but to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You say, well, that's nice, Pastor, but I, I don't really see these things that you've talked about in my life. I don't, I don't really see the, uh, uh, the, all those, the power to be as witness, the power to be set free from the rule of sin, the power to have freedom, uh, the power to overflow with hope or to use my spiritual gifts or for help in my weakness. You may say, I don't see those things in my life. And what I would like to say to you today is the Holy Spirit does incredible things in the lives of His children. But if you're not seeing His action and your power in your life, I want to encourage you this morning. Don't be discouraged. I want you to remember, as I've been saying all morning, it's impossible for you to do these things on your own. That's actually the, the whole point. It's impossible for you, and that's why God sent us His Holy Spirit. Sometimes, you know, we expect to change every aspect of our lives all at once. I, I can tell you after, and I, I keep using the marriage analogy, we've been married 26 years, like I said, my wife and I. We're, we're working on 27 soon. And I am still growing in areas of my life. And she can tell you that, um, I, I hope she can tell you that she's seen some changes in me over the years. But there's, there's, a, there's like one more thing that needs to be changed, right honey, only one? Okay, stop it. She's like, let me get out my calculator, my, my adding machine. God is still working on me, and it's a process. I have not come to that work of completion, nor will you, because this is a journey that we're on, and we expect every area of our lives, you know, we come to Jesus, and we want it all to be done all at once, but that's rarely the way Jesus works. I love my brother Ed, and I prayed for Ed this morning. 
His testimony is such a powerful supernatural testimony. If you ever want to get the hairs in the back of your neck to stand up, talk to Ed because his encounter that he had with Jesus was, was absolutely extraordinary. At a later time in his life when he encountered Jesus, his testimony is awesome. And the, the, the stories are miraculous. I came to know Jesus. I grew up in the church. I think I was pretty much born in the, in the front pew. And so my relationship with Christ kind of it just developed more over time. It wasn't necessarily as supernatural, bam, like all at once type of thing. And Ed's encounter with God was a, was a real supernatural man. Things just broke and things changed. And, and who he was was like black and white night and day transformation, right, Ed? Uh, and just incredible because he was, he was a nasty dude. I'll just tell you that right now. He was not a nice guy. And I can say that because that guy's dead and gone, right? But we expect that. But most often, listen, he works slowly in us, teaching us to trust him and molding us and using us in greater ways in the world through time. If you want to see the Spirit working in your life, God simply says to ask him and he will give us his Spirit. Say those two words, ask him. Ask him. You want to see the Spirit working in your life? You don't have to go to Bible school. You don't have to be a, a theology expert. You just ask Him. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. You said, the Bible says you ask Him and He will give us His Spirit. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Worship team, would you guys come back up this morning? We're going to close, but as they're coming, I want you to stay focused just for a minute. As we're learning more about the Holy Spirit, and maybe as you're being reminded more about the Holy Spirit, there's a very important question you need to ask yourself. What does He want me to do right now? Or how does He want me to cooperate with Him in His work, in my life and in the world? I want, I want to just say this to those of you who are old church people. You've been in the pews as long as the pews have been there. Resist the temptation to stop learning more facts about the Holy Spirit. And don't let yourself believe in what the Holy Spirit can do hypothetically. Well, hypothetically, I know this or I know that. Rather, say, what can the Holy Spirit do in my life now? Actually. Practically, realistically, right now, He wants to change you and transform you. And He'll do so if you invite Him to. Now that the power, or maybe now that I would say the, the power that's available to you through the Holy Spirit is fresh in your mind, I want you to consider what God might want to do through you. Who might He want you to talk to that maybe you haven't, been ready to talk to yet? Who might you want to share with? Who might He want you to serve? How might He want you to change things in your family, in your household, as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a father? Remember that all the power in the world is absolutely irrelevant unless it's put to use. Understand that. It's, it's worth nothing. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a minute if you don't mind. 
as we close, I want you to just take a minute and I want you to ponder the amazing power of the Holy Spirit. Looking at all the situations that God's placed you in, the circumstances, your life, your world, your surroundings, your, your sphere of influence. As you look around how God's placed you in the world today, think how He might be calling you or think of what He might be calling you to do through His Holy Spirit. And I want to ask you to, to spend some time this week to execute the play. Don't just huddle together on Sunday morning and, and go away and clap your hands and say, yeah, yay, Rod, good job, okay, good encouragement. No, do something about it. Put it to practice. Well, how do I do that? Well, it's impossible without Him. So you do it by saying, God, I can't, but you can. I need your Holy Spirit. Look at the scriptures that we explored today and, and, and so many others that talk about the Holy Spirit and what He does and how He moves. And I'm sure that there's going to be a number of things that, that need to be, you need to begin applying to your life. But here's the other thing I know about the Holy Spirit is He's a gentleman. He's not going to overwhelm you with a list of 133 things you need to change in your life. That might come from your spouse, but just, you know, say, I'm not ready for that, honey. <laughs> One thing at a time. I'm sure that there's going to be a number of things, right? That you need to begin applying to your life. Ask God to fill you with His Holy Spirit so that the world around you will see His power through us and in us. Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is active, is alive, is moving, is in this place today. Lord, and I invite you in a greater way in my life as I continue to develop my intimacy with you. I pray that that would be the heart's prayer of everyone here today that we acknowledge that we cannot and that without you we are weak. But as your power is made manifest in our lives, it's for the common good. It's so that the world will be drawn and they will see a living God active in our homes, in our marriages, in our relationships with others, and how we conduct our business affairs. The world will see a living God through us and they'll be drawn to you through the transformation in our lives. God, I pray that we would be different, look different, act different, and be the men and women of God that you've called us to be. Thank you for the work that you had begun thank you that you are patient with us probably more than we are with ourselves help us to be patient with the process of transformation as we invite you to have more of your way in our lives in Jesus name God bless you we're going to worship the Lord you're free to stay for a little while to see you next week he likes to cut me off quick leave me on until I tell you Chris <laughs> We hope to see you next week, and we invite you, if you want to come up and stay for a few minutes, come gather around the tent. Let's worship the Lord. If you need to go, God bless you. Enjoy.